Oh, oh God. God. Yes, God. That's who she found. Uh-oh. Oh. We lost we power. We lost power. Oh, is this going to be one of those movies where the woman with the really good job decides that she doesn't actually need a job, she just needs a man? <laughs> oh, God. No. 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 I'm going to say that now. No, please I'm going to say that during foreplay now. <laughs> Wait, that might work too well. Next up, what did what did you say? The delicious, delicious train. train. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Whoops. yeah. Whoops. That's what you want to say. I tried to think of like the worst, like turn off. I mean, it would still be gross, oh. and I'd probably be turned off. But <laughs> it fits. It fits. I wouldn't want to hear it still. Oh. I'll add it. Woo woo. <laughs> My god, okay, this is too much for a podcast. <laughs> we'll cut that part out. But leave that part in so they'll wonder what we cut out. <laughs> oh my god, babe, it's snowing! It's a Christmas miracle! Grab your candy canes and your friend's password To the streaming service letting the worst be heard From so bad it's good to so bad it gets cold Tragedies on screen Watching the worst holiday movies you've ever seen Hello and welcome everybody to the Tragedies on Screen podcast The first of two special holiday episodes There are holiday movies that should never be seen by anyone And it is our job to watch them all I'm Mike and along with me as always is my beautiful honeybee wife Jessica Ho 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 bitch Who as of today has been my wife for nine years so we had a little bit of difficulty getting this episode off the ground due to some power outages due to a winter storm in our area. So that's why the episode is coming a little bit late. But now that that's out of the way, this is our third episode of our podcast. And for this week's episode, we watched a great Christmas movie called Christian Mingle, the movie about a dating app. This episode is about Christian Mingle, so it obviously talks about Christianity. Um, and so I think it's important for us to kind of discuss our overall maybe beliefs, attitudes when it comes to religion. Um, so that way we're kind of upfront and you know what our biases are right off the bat. You know, we all have biases and um, I think it's important that you know where we're coming from right because this movie is absolutely unsubtle about its own biases based on both race and religion it you know it's about as subtle as getting hit in the face with a brick so it's probably important that you know like what jess said where we're coming from how we're seeing it in our point of view uh before listening to the rest of what we're saying Exactly. So for me personally, um, I was kind of brought up as a Christian celebrating Christmas, went to church every so often, not a particular denomination. It was kind of like we were trying to find a place that we felt matched our values. Um, our my mom and I, our big thing was we do not believe homosexuality is a sin. And it just seemed like 
every time we would start to like a church, they would have this big, huge sermon about homosexuality and da da da. And so then we'd be like, all right, peace out, we're done. Um, or that one time where I did not realize I was uh, going to be walking in a pro-life rally. <laughs> I was, I was uh, getting involved with like a youth group and they were like, oh, you should, uh, you know, we're doing this thing this weekend, da 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 da. Oh gosh. oh gosh yeah that was when i was a teenager and i was like oh my god uh, uh they wanted you out to of that worship, real quick they wanted you to worship george w bush exactly i remember there was a george w bush sign and a pro-life sign it was it was it was uh not my cup of tea at did least they, did so did they ever ask you to fix a bell <laughs> No, I don't believe so. Okay. Um, but so yeah, so for me personally, I do believe in God. Uh, I think you would probably call me more spiritual than religious, I guess. Um, I do not believe that my way of thinking is the only correct way. Yeah, I'm someone who knows a bunch of people who have you know, who aren't Christian, um, or are varying, I guess, degrees of Christian. Um, and I see that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, I think the biggest thing is being open to other people's beliefs and not passing judgment on them. Um, yeah. And just always putting, um, you know, love and kindness first above all else. Um, so that's kind of like my opinion. <laughs> yeah, so I I was raised as a Catholic pretty much in church most Sundays. Um, I'm still pretty much a Catholic, though, I mean, I don't believe homosexuality is a sin. I don't believe there's any one way to worship God. Uh, I believe, obviously, in Jesus Christ, the resurrection, and um, God himself. Um, but yeah, I don't believe there's any one way to worship God. I don't believe abortion is wrong. I don't believe homosexuality is wrong. I mean, God created these people this way, um, and he didn't do it to test them or make them convert, which is what some people believe, which is absolutely insane so i mean i believe that we are all created equal i believe we are all the same in god's eyes and i believe that everyone has a right to worship whoever whatever they want except for george bush and you know what? You can worship George Bush if you want. I, <laughs> you do you. You do you exactly. Um. So that's that's I pretty much believe the same as my wife. Nice. Yeah. So just so you know, like as you're listening to this podcast, that's where we're coming from. Um. And of course, you may not agree with us, which is totally fine, but just realize how we're analyzing this film is from those perspectives. Um, we also talk about race and racism a lot. Because um, this movie is really effing racist. Yes. Um, and so 
again, I'm not an expert in this. Um, me and Mike are both white. Um, we have not experienced racism because we are privileged. Um, and so, you know, we speak on it from, I think it's more of an, I guess, an academic point, I guess, is the best way to describe it. I've just in school taken classes on race and racism in the United States, and that's kind of where all of my knowledge stems from. Um, I've had conversations with for, like with my friends who are not white, um, and so I've heard some of their stories. Um, and so, you know, some of my opinions also come from that, or I guess my experience comes from those conversations. Um, but, you know, I'm not an expert, um, and I'm pointing out what I think um, is racist, um, and I do not think the intention of the movie was to do things that were racist, but it's just, I think... You know, comes from a place of ignorance. It comes from thank you, thank you, exactly right. It comes from a place of ignorance, sort of thing. So, um, so yeah. So I think it's just important for when you're listening to this podcast, we're talking about difficult topics, but these topics should be talked about more often, um, for sure, because they are real life things, and just because you know, we may not have experienced racism or religious persecution or anything like that, um, that it, it happens. Um, and so it's good to be aware of those sort of things. And when we're watching things that have to relate to religion or bring up religion, religious ideologies and, racism that I think it's important to discuss those things and point them out. I agree. Yeah. So, but of course, again, we're not experts. So if, um, you have any, uh, opinions, whether they agree or disagree with ours, please let us know. And, you know, I think it's, it's, these are topics that we should all learn from each other. Um, and never, um, you know, not keep our, our ears, our ears open. Correct. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. David Duke, if you're listening, send us a tweet and tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, for him, I'll keep my ears shut. But. Uh, yeah. Or <laughs> O'Brien. Oh, O'Brien. Seinfeld, Seinfeld reference. For this episode and for future episodes, we're going to have a new show structure. Um, the biggest reason why is because there were so many things wrong with our last week's movie, Catwoman that we just kind of kept going and the length of the podcast just went over an hour so we're trying to keep it down trying to keep it to a nominal length so you guys can listen to it while you're riding in your car to work or you're at the gym or you're at a barbecue with your family down in Australia because I know y'all listening listening to us down there um because <laughs> it's summertime down there babe <laughs> So they're listening to tragedies on screen specifically because it's summertime. Yeah, and, and they're, they're the... listening to it while they barbecue. are at a barbecue. Yeah, they got. Wouldn't it be on the Barbie? Yeah, on the Barbie. Oh my God, I don't know where he's going. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so the behind the scenes that you did not see is we had like 
four, I think it was four hours of recordings for uh, Catwoman. Uh, half of it, about half, was our live reactions, you know, while we watched the movie. Um, and and it was just because we there was so many things wrong with it that, especially be, me, but Mike as well, rambled a lot. Or we, like we went off tangent a lot because there were just so many things wrong. And so that made us think like, hey, we need to come up with a more like structure to our podcast. Um, so that way it's like we can stay focused, less rambling. And uh, so that way we don't have to go through so many hours um, of editing yes so that's that's why we switched to this new format which you will hear throughout this episode and episodes going forward as we try to perfect our format for this amazing podcast yeah so in general we'll start with like after our intro that song you never want to miss um we'll start with background of like why the movie was made discuss the plot from our point of view not reading people's summaries of it but just what we think the plot is um talk about the top five things that were wrong with the movie um and if there was more than five things wrong we'll like post a master list of what we thought were the worst things in the movie in order um of you know top one being the worst thing um and then we go on to talking about our favorite scenes like being the worst <laughs> scenes usually Mike and I will have one each um and then we go on to say whether it's a bad it's good movie or a bad it's just bad and where it ranks among the movies that we have watched so far and then we wrap it up with discussing additional info about the movies or actors like how much the movie made or lost maybe if there was um, really good actors in it that we were just surprised were in that particular movie and then as always we'll discuss what the next movie will be Yes, indeed. We will randomly select a new movie to watch for the next week. So, for this movie, Christian Mingle, here's the background. Here's why Christian Mingle the movie was made. It's not because anyone asked for it. Um, it's because in 2010, writer and director of Christian Mingle, Corbin Burnson, who might best be known for hit playing Harry Spencer in the TV show Psych wrote his first faith-based movie called Rust. Now, this movie actually got good reviews from both critics and audiences alike. Then he wrote another three faith-based movies, and then he wanted to write about faith in a not-faith movie way. He basically said, you know, things happen to Christians that aren't just faithy, quote-unquote, and they, we should write rom-coms because Christians fall in love too. So he then met the owner of the website Christian Mingle, yes, that Christian Mingle, at a faith and film summit, because those are a thing that exist in this reality, God help us, and asked if he could do Christian Mingle the movie. 
He seemed so proud of himself, saying, I made up the plot of this movie on the spot because God guided me. Please trust me that you don't need any kind of God to help you make the plot of any rom-com, let alone this one. So, babe, what would you say the God-directed plot of this film was? So, it begins with a 30-something-year-old woman named Gwyneth, played by Lacey Chabert. Um, and so, basically, it starts out where she just hasn't had any luck in her love life. She's talking with her friends, basically just talking about how aggravated, frustrated she is, and that she desperately wants to be in love and find that person for her. Um, and she was basically on that kind of verge of giving up because she went on another really bad, boring date. Um, and she just kept seeing or hearing the Christian Mingle ad on TV. And so eventually after seeing it for like the second or third time, she's like, why the hell not? She makes a profile, um, and begins her Christian Mingle journey. And the first guy she meets, Paul, off of the website, is the one and only guy she talks to off of the Christian Mingle website. Um, and they both like each other, um, personalities and whatnot. He is very devote. Um, his dad's a pastor, mom's a pastor's wife sort of thing. So and she's made of plastic and she's made of plastic. Um, and she kind of like pretends that she's as religious as him, but she is a religious person. Like she talks about how, you know, she is Christian. She identifies as being a Christian and that she would like go to church every so often that she does believe in God and whatnot. Um, but she's not necessarily the type or was the type to like pray before meals and whatnot. So she kind of like acts that up to seem as devout or devout how do you say that devout. devout thank you devout as he is um so anyway they end up liking each other the movie goes on with just continuing their courtship and whatnot um paul actually already had planned that he was going down to mexico with his uh, mom and dad and a couple of other church members to restore church in um this village in mexico that was damaged by a storm specifically the bell specifically the bell exactly they, they bring up fixing the bell they literally, a bunch of times they literally say we're going not going to leave until the bell dings and dongs and not until we hear that dong that was literally one of the quotes yes yeah, so they were very very worried about this bell <laughs> um and so this is a surprise to Gwyneth um, that all of a sudden, you know, this guy that she likes that she's dating um, has to go to Mexico for like a while. And so there's this situation at work where her boss wasn't very pleased. Uh, the client wasn't very pleased with her marketing technique um, for the thing that they're trying to sell. We'll get into that later. Um, and so she sees this as basically the perfect opportunity to blow off work, go to Mexico, not tell her boss, by the way, um, and her like work friend actually is the one to cover for her to make up the that she had strep throat and that's why she wasn't coming into work where in reality she was in Mexico um with Paul 
And what she brings to Mexico is her Christianity for Dummies book. Nothing wrong with that, obviously. There's nothing wrong with, you know, trying to better understand a religion and whatnot. But of course, when the mom and Kelly, this, you could tell, long-term friend of Paul, and you could just tell that she always liked Paul. The mom always liked Kelly for Paul. Um, they find her Christianity for Dummies book. They bring it to Paul, and then Paul, Paul basically calls Gwen out for being a liar, that she's not really a true believer, um, and that she can't see her uh, um, anymore. They use the words true believer over and over. Mm -hmm. Over and mm -hmm. over again in this movie. So, true believer, quote unquote, TM copyright. <laughs> um, and so then she goes back home. So, she leaves Mexico. She's basically kicked out from helping because she's a liar. And not a true believer, <laughs> TM copyright. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, she goes home and begins to really have a relationship with God. So she finds a church that she likes. She starts going to Bible study and all of that stuff to become a true believer, to really ha start a relationship with God. True believer TM copyright. <laughs> Um, and so then during this time, Paul does start dating Kelly. I mean, who didn't see that coming? And the mom and Kelly are definitely happy, happy with this. Um, the mom always thought there was something a little bit off with Gwen. Um, so Gwen's kind of going through the motions, uh, still at work and, um, continuing this journey with God. And she receives this letter from a little girl, that was in the village that she was helping restore the church. Um, basically, the little girl was thanking her um, for her help and and everything that she like learned from her and the other missionaries and stuff like that. And this really inspires her to move to Mexico and be a teacher at um, a school there. So Escuela. she completely, yeah, she completely uproots her life and she teaches at Escuela. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know, Escuela is Spanish for school. And literally that's all the school is called. It wasn't like Escuela de whatever the village is called. Correct. <laughs> it was just Escuela. Yes, with a piece of wood. Well, on a, on a piece of wood, exactly. Um, now, Paul's dad, the pastor, continues to go down to Mexico to help out. Paul isn't there um, anymore, but so Gwen and her and the dad kind of see each other off and on. We don't see this happening. It's just this is what is told to us later on, um, and that's how. Paul knows that Gwen has uprooted her life, has gone to Mexico, and um, really has apparently become a true enough believer um, for Paul to now like again. Um, and so, anyway, he goes to Mexico, basically immediately proposes, and that's the end of the movie. Just a montage of people proposing. <laughs> yeah. Yep, the movie literally ends with a montage of people proposing in random spots, and that's it. Yeah, I basically, in summary, the plot is girl wants man, 
girl is already religious. Man wants someone who is more religious or apparently isn't lying about it, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Girl becomes more religious or the type of religious that he wants. Right. Guy then likes girl. They live happily ever after. She completely changes herself for a man. Basically. What a great, great movie. And that has to do with a lot of what we went wrong. We have our top five. So we're going to go in order from like the least worst to Mm -hmm. the worst. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. So, So our number five worst thing of this movie (laughs) is how she overall compared herself and her love life to her friends like she seems pretty nasty to her friends she really emphasized the whole normal quote-unquote timeline for dating getting married i mean she puts down her friend what is her name mary lou or something something like that mary lou or mary ann mary ann i just remember it was mary something being engaged forever and never getting married Oh, no, no, no. It was that she didn't have somebody. Oh, that she I'm didn't. pretty sure. I don't think they... Or maybe it was that. I thought it was that... Basically, she said something off the cuff that at least she'd be getting engaged before this friend. And yes. then all of a sudden, she sees like a Facebook post that she got married and she was like, Oh, my God! Yes. I need to find a man. And right. that's what gets her... Uh, an- another reason for why she uh, started her right. Christian She's, Mingle profile. She sees her friend got married and that makes her upset. That's right. And so obviously because women just can't control themselves and their whole goal in life is marriage, <laughs> um, she gets so upset. And so she'll completely change herself, her views, her beliefs for a man and... So, yeah, she's she's not very friendly to her friends. She puts them down and she wants to see herself as better than they are. And that's that's why she wants to get married so quickly. Yeah, it's definitely what comes off in that way. Um, So our fourth worst part of this movie. It's a movie based on a dating app. <laughs> I don't know how anybody thought this was a good idea. I mean, of Christian Mingle of all dating apps, you're making a rom-com based on an app where nobody is going to get laid, at least not until they get married. <laughs> so, I mean, like, who had the idea? Why would you come up with an idea for a movie based on a dating app? So, what, you make a movie called Tinder and it's a woman who receives, like, hundreds of dick pics? <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's that's what the movie that's real life <laughs> that's what the movie tinder would be i mean i think i've seen that movie just not in any conventional movie theater <laughs> so maybe that movie does exist but i don't think it's called tinder it's called well you know we won't have to get into that <laughs> um so i mean my god hey so think of I mean, think of back to the what we were saying at the beginning when Corbin Burnson said, hey, yeah, I came up with the general plot of this movie and it was a stroke from God. Well, no, no, no. This is the same damn plot in every freaking rom-com, first of all. Second of all, this is the most easy plot to come up with if you're going for a Christian dating movie. And third of all, it's just an ad for the Christian Mingle dating service, which as of 2022, as of this recording, I don't think really functions anymore <laughs> well i guess we should find out let's make let's make a profile yes, and see what and, happens and we'll swipe left and we'll question we'll question are you a true believer 
TM copyright. <laughs> um, exactly. And the thing is, too, when it brings up the Christian Mingle ads, like, I get it. Maybe the first time she sees it, you would want to show the full ad, whatever, whatever. But, like, it was at least twice. There might have been a third time where you literally see... Maybe it's not necessarily the entire ad, but a huge chunk. So it really felt like the movie was an ad for Christian Mingle. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it was a two-hour... Yes, this movie is almost two hours long. They somehow dragged this plot out for two hours, the most basic plot possible, uh, for two hours, and it was just all about Christian Mingle, the dating site, which is a paid dating site, by the way, because mm -hmm. as we all know, you know, being a Christian means accepting and taking other people's money. So <laughs> that's how this works. Uh, so yeah, so that was our number four. Number three, this kind of goes in line with what Mike was talking about earlier, the whole like stereotypical rom-com or a lot of movie plots where it's all about women giving up jobs because of a man or because the writer or director kind of puts this overall message out that women care more about their love lives than their career lives for instance um so anyway she has this great job she is the vp of marketing at this company and it's m multiple times throughout the movie you just tell that she just doesn't care uh about the job because of her desire to be with paul like wanting to find a man and and you know specifically paul um and that's why the movie like when i brought up the plot it's not even really in the plot because it wasn't big at all like it wasn't a huge part of the movie it was only her journey of um you know basically making her way to paul it wasn't even her journey of getting closer with god it was her journey to get to paul basically um but anyway so we already talked about how she just ups and leaves to go to Mexico. Um, and it's so what happened was there's this new client and he's someone that has created a pill to supposedly get rid of baldness. So like men's hair will grow again if you take this pill. And she didn't do any work. All of a sudden, her boss calls her into a meeting. The clients want to see what she's come up with at that point. Again, she hasn't worked on it at all. So because just... she's thinking and infatuated with Paul. Exactly. And she's just talking to her work friend, Pam, about Paul the entire time. Like, never actually working on work. Um, and so she goes into this meeting. She has nothing. She has nothing written down. Didn't think of anything. So just off the cuff, she brings up these ideas. So the first one was talking about how like the pill could be like a bullet and how men want to shoot and kill things and that baldness is the enemy. So let's call it the bullet. The uh, blue bullet. The blue bullet because it was a blue, very blue pill not to get confused with you know the Viagra. Other blue <laughs> exactly um and then the client didn't like that idea so then the second idea she because of her um you know new journey to be closer with god she's thinking about it in a more god-like way and how you know maybe men 
who are bald might be like, why God, why, you know? And she kind of says, well, these pills could be, what was it? Heaven's yes, rain? Rain or, from heaven. Rain from heaven. Um, and she kind of like gave an example of, hey, the pills are, let's drop all these pills on top of my boss's head who is bald. Um, and again, that's another example that the client really didn't like. And I mean, if we're thinking that's kind of like a real thing where she has no idea and she's coming up with these two ideas off of the spot, not bad, not bad. But she shouldn't be upset when the client doesn't like it. It's like, hey, you didn't put any effort into this. You didn't put any time into this. So you shouldn't be so upset with your job that you're like, well, fuck you. I'm going to Mexico because this guy that I just met is going to Mexico and I want to continue to, you know, spend time with him. Yes. Yeah, that's... uh... (laughs) That, that was brutal. And she doesn't even care enough to actually tell her boss. Like, she doesn't tell her boss she's going to Mexico. She doesn't tell her boss that makes up a fake excuse and say I'm sick or I have a family emergency or something like that. Literally, she does nothing. And it was Pam, her work friend, that made up the story that she has strep throat. And that's why she's not at work. So, like, she didn't even care enough to call her boss. Like, she, she just up and left. She just peaced out. Um... And then at the very end, she just gives up the job and moves to Mexico to teach at Escuela um, (laughs) because of the young girl writing the letter. Now, there is nothing wrong giving up a job for one that you love and gives you joy and gives you all of that other stuff. But, like, it really didn't... How the movie portrayed it, it didn't really... Like, it wasn't like teaching was her passion. Like, it just didn't build up to that. So it literally feels like she left her job to go to Mexico in a way... I don't know. It just didn't really make it feel legitimate. Like Right, yeah. yeah I don't know just, how else to explain it. It just made it seem like it almost came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't need a career. I didn't work hard for this. Oh, I just need to get up and change my life drastically. Like, babe, you've been working on a PhD for the past <laughs> however many years, four or five. Five is my fifth year. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't just give that up and run to a third world country to live down there because you once fixed a church bell? Is that what you're telling me? Honestly, well, because... <laughs> That's you're so funny because the thing is, too, it's like she wasn't there for a long time because remember, she goes down and basically she's found out that she's not as devout as they thought. And so she immediately comes home. It seems like she's there for maybe a day, two days. She does spend yeah, one the timing night there. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. Number two, and this movie was a big number two, trust me, uh, is blatant racism. I mean, you just heard us talk about some of the racism in the previous section here, but pretty much everything of how they portrayed Mexico was really, really racist. I mean, the biggest thing is that there is a donkey or a burro in every other scene in Mexico. Just to remind you, yes, we're in Mexico. Here's a donkey covered in a poncho. 
I mean, it's like, and then they have the little kid, the little Mexican boy who's wearing a straw hat and sometimes a sombrero and he's leading the donkey around. It's like, why does the kid have a donkey? Why does he keep walking around with the donkey in the middle of the street in Mexico? Oh, and one of the first things that the dad says, that Paul's dad says when they get down there, when uh, his uh, dad talks to Gwen is, oh, hey, if you get the runs, come and see me. I've got some medicine. Cause get it? Cause Mexico's a third world country, so you're gonna get diarrhea. Ha ha ha. yeah, Mexico, great place. And obviously, when they go down there to the place that's devastated by a storm, they're not fixing up people's homes and giving them shelter. No, no, no. They're fixing a bell, a bell in a church or a school. I don't know if it was the school or the church. They, they went. It was back the and church. Went. It was the church. It was the church. But they showed the school a few times. Like it seemed like they were maybe meeting in the school. But right again, not clear. But the bell was part of the church. Got it. So they fixed the bell and they said, screw everyone else. The church has been restored. Praise God. And then they had all these signs in English about how to praise God and their own, their, their own church on, you know, on the walls of buildings everywhere, literally just promoting their own church in English and promoting themselves as missionaries and, you know, like the people who aren't able to speak English are somehow supposed to read those signs. And yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's my rant. Honestly, honestly, um, another big thing that kept popping up is just like this very blatant, apparent, in-your-face contrast between the all-white missionaries and kind of this helpless, these helpless Mexicans, basically. It totally brought up the whole, like, white savior thing. Um, And it just, it just wasn't good. Like, it just, it, it... it just made me keep thinking about that as I was watching the movie um, where it really just showed all, first of all, all the churchgoers, all the missionaries that went to Mexico, all white, which didn't have to be the case, first of all. Um, But yeah, so they're all white. And then um, the Mexicans that are down there in the village, you don't see any of them like helping out or restoring things or working with the missionaries. You barely see any of the Mexican adults at all. Honestly, I just remember seeing two older men just standing, like, leaning on buildings. And that was it. Behind the donkey. And then... Exactly! Exactly! And then you do see a bunch of kids, but that's it. And so the only person you see kind of, like, helping out is, like, Jose, the one boy. Right. Um... And again, I think this is portraying very dangerous things. Like it's, we've all heard stereotypes like Mexicans are lazy and all this other bullshit stuff. And I think it was just, it was doing that. Um, I doubt it was intentional, but when you have, um, you know, racism that runs so deep in this country and elsewhere that it's like an unconscious thing that I feel like people do. And so if you're a writer or director, you can like unconsciously write in or, um, you know, set up scenes in a racist way. And so when I was watching it, I just kept 
seeing that it was like, oh, you have these white people that are working, that are helping this village, whereas the people of the village are sitting around and doing nothing, you know? So it was just, it was really bad. It was really, really bad. Um, and that kind of brings up the whole letter that I talked about, talked about before where it's like this little Mexican girl thanking the white woman um and we can assume that you know they all of the missionaries were sent similar letters um and she just the the young girl Maria kept apologizing for her broken English oh my English is bad or my English is not good da, 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 da. so this like apologetic thing where again you're thinking about it it's not an actual Spanish-speaking person writing this letter like this is Corbin Burnson the writer of the movie who wrote this letter so it's like you found it important enough for a Spanish-speaking person who is speaking perfectly fine in English that you can understand, and it's like, you know, written English or what have you, um, and having the need to apologize it, to apologize for it twice. Um, so, I, again, I just think it's like apologizing for not speaking your native language to a white person it just kind of brought up that dynamic again um and also seeing it as like this student is bilingual at least who knows maybe she speaks other languages too um but seeing it as speaking spanish and not being fluent in english as a bad thing or not as good as being fluent in english whereas you know what's-her-face Gwen wasn't bilingual, you know what I'm saying? So it was just, ugh, it's just a lot of the things that we see in daily life just on screen. Um, and yeah. The, and the way that she was speaking in quote-unquote broken English wouldn't be the same way as a Spanish speaker would speak in broken English because I gets directly translated into Spanish as yo, so that sentence structure is relatively the same. You wouldn't in Spanish say, me want this. So when you translate, I want this from Spanish to English, you would get the same sentence pretty much over again. You wouldn't replace I with me like you would in other languages where the object comes first. Um, I mean, this might be getting too hard into grammar, but... That's a good point, though. It's like when someone... Because, again, it's a white person writing uh, a letter in English that's supposedly supposedly from a Spanish speaker and to make it seem that the student doesn't know English as well you know bringing up things like you said that just doesn't make sense I mean it's for sure uncomfortable it's cringy and it's I think these sort of things it's it, it is dangerous you know um just because it can it perpetuates um, racist stereotypes that we see all the time. Um, I guess in a broader sense, if we think about it, like things that we type and post on the internet, things that are recorded and like these things will be around for forever. Like it's written in stone basically. And so to have, I don't know, these sort of nationalist racist 
kind of tendencies captured. I just think it's 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 a dangerous thing because it just it continues to perpetuate things that we should break away from. I agree. Yeah. Oh, well, do you want to explain the yellow tint filter? Yes. You know how in every movie scene that's shot in Mexico, they put this weird yellowish or sepia tone over filter tone over the camera so you know hey we're in mexico well yeah it does that too so you get to mexico it puts a yellow dusty quote-unquote fil uh, filter over the camera and it's like oh look it has a different tone and filter we're definitely in mexico and yeah that's how you know that they're that's in how you know they're in mexico the skies are different. Yeah, the sky is different. And there's a donkey and a kid in a sombrero. <laughs> exactly. Um, so there was another super blatant racist thing happening. So Pam, that's the friend at work. She's a black woman. And there's this really weird dynamic between Pam and the boss of the company. Um, like every interaction we see with Pam and this boss is basically like the boss interrupting Pam and Gwen talking, which is fine because they're at work and it's like, okay, there should be work they being done. Be, yeah, they yeah. should be working. They should be working. We don't know what Pam's role is at the company at all because she's always in Gwen's office. Like we don't know if she has her own office or anything, but Really, I can only assume that she's like an administrative assistant of some sort, sort maybe an office manager, something like that, because um, the boss always asks her to do things, which, again, it's okay. Like, you're at work and your boss delegates things to people. That is totally fine. But just the way things were asked, like, it was, yeah. I think it was trying to be funny, but it was, again, this awkward dynamic between you have no idea what role Pam's playing. But what we do know is that this white man keeps yeah. asking her to do these really menial jobs right. like getting a coffee, cleaning the coffee pot. like Yeah, and he's like, the coffee is cold and we need it hot for our new guest and our big client who's coming in today. Also, the boss dress like, uh, dresses like an admiral, a ship admiral. And he gets called the admiral. I don't understand why they're not anywhere near the ocean. But, yeah, I mean, he wears the captain hat, a blue overcoat. Yeah, he, calls, he refers to everything in ship terms. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Exactly. So it was kind of similar um, with everything that happened in Mexico where it was just a really odd, cringy, uncomfortable dynamic. Um, and then, <laughs> so, so yeah, so Pam is Gwen's work friend. Um, she's really, like, Pam's the one that Gwen talks to at work about all of her love life issues and da-la-la. Um but it's like not even two sentences into their conversation where Gwen calls Pam Oprah, which again, nothing wrong with that. Oprah's a wonderful woman who has done yes. a crazy amount of things. <laughs> but she it appears that she only calls her Oprah because she's black. Exactly. And it was just because like Pam was giving her advice like she normally does. Um so it was just, again, one of those things where it's a white man writing yes. this um, 
an interaction between a white woman and a black woman. And well, yeah. he thinks, I don't know, it's almost like... This is funny. Yeah. I'm going to call you Oprah because it's funny. So the number one worst thing about this movie is the way that the movie continues to say that there's only one right way to specifically in this movie to be a Christian. Um, like how they kept referring to Gwen as being a liar, as being deceitful, as being all this and whatnot. Right. When it's like... Okay, she signed up for Christian Mingle. She is a Christian. Yeah. So how is that lying? And not only that, but she was learning how to be a Christian and a better Christian. And she had read Christianity for Dummies. And she had read the Bible and made a whole bunch of notes and footnotes. And because of that, her family, uh, Paul's family didn't like her because she wasn't a Christian from the beginning or she wasn't as strong of a christian as they are i guess i i don't know i mean how are you supposed to be a strong christian as someone who's a pastor also vanity is a pretty big sin in christianity and paul's mom was filled up with more botox and plastic than you know the actual botulism virus and more plastic than the bottom of the ocean so, there's nothing wrong with that, but <laughs> no, but exactly. That, but if you're gonna talk about how much of a Christian you are, maybe use some of that Botox money to fix something other than a bell in Mexico, <laughs> or pass judgment on someone else. <laughs> well, yeah, don't pass judgment, but you know, if your goal is to help people, then you know, injecting yourself with virus toxin and freaking more silicone than san francisco than just spend that money on things that actually matter to your religion or that you profess to actually matter to your religion or maybe they did maybe their religion only cares about bells and churches i mean that bell was a pretty big priority for them mm -hmm. um so so yeah and then we can I mean, just the way the movie was about how it's like, okay, there's only this one way to be a good Christian and really emphasizing that this is the way to go. Like having such a strong relationship with God and, you know, this true believer and all of this stuff, um, you know, it really insinuates that that is the only correct religion. Um, so hardcore, hardcore. So it's just like you just think of all the other religions that are out there that people believe in. And I just think that this movie, like many other things, are basically saying that all of those other religions are wrong. Yeah. And in an interview, Corbin Burnson said that he wanted to make movies that show the faith how it really is, how he doesn't want to, quote-unquote, sugarcoat it, that they have to show the real stuff. Because, as we all know, this movie is just an accurate depiction of people's everyday life, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. But he wants to show how faith really is. And I don't, I don't really get what he's coming from because i mean how does this show how faith really is you go to church you believe in what you believe you do good things but what about that is a deeper i, I don't know 
I don't know. I mean, basically him saying we have to show how it really is, is him using an excuse to say, I'm using this movie to show that this religion is correct and yours is wrong. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, yeah, and the whole idea, too, of, you know, Gwen is on a journey. Um, and uh, I don't know if we haven't really said this clearly, but... Like, this is, it's totally fine to have a movie depicting, like, some, a woman's relationship with God, trying to get closer to God, and that, like, whole thing. Like, that's totally fine. You know, we're not the most religious people in the world, but, um, especially me, I guess. <laughs> but there's, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong to believe in something, to be Christian, to, um be a very religious person there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but the fact that they were so like ostracized like yes. ostracizing um Gwen even though she's doing the thing that they would want people to do like that's the whole saving people thing you know is um so it just it really it really didn't make any sense um and we did read some reviews uh because i was like you know am i thinking this way because i'm i don't know like like am i am i not being realistic with right. how i'm seeing this sort of thing yep. and so i was looking up reviews and a lot of people were kind of saying like hey i'm super religious i am christian da, 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 and i don't agree with what this movie said like yes. you know as a good christian you should be helping gwen on her journey not kicking her out yes. um and not like having her stay in mexico and continuing to do good work and we'll just whatnot. exile her until she becomes the right kind of christian then we'll allow her back exactly i mean even in the story of the prodigal son in the bible the man leaves on his own and then he comes back and they welcome him back with open arms i mean he didn't like find god when he left the family's just like oh he wants to return to our family and we'll love him and we'll care about him in this story it was okay she did the work she's christian enough maybe now i'll look at her and we'll be together and that's just a bad message it's you can't just leave people until they change for you then say okay we're good now now i like you because you're the type of person i want you to be exactly the reason why this is number one and not you know the blatant racism um throughout the movie is is Similar to what I said about racism, where it's like, this is an extremely dangerous message to spread. Um, I mean, obviously, <laughs> within over history, there have been many, many wars based off I of mean, religion. The reason that Mexicans are, or the people of Mexico are mostly Christian is because the people of Spain came over and forced them to be in the 1400s. Um, in the wise words of Frank Reynolds, the Spaniards fucked the Mayans and turned them into Mexicans. Oh my God, that's right. Um, so it, it, it's just, they're, it's, I don't know, like religion, um, in our history and currently lots of bloodshed, lots of killing, lots of kind of we hate you because you don't believe in the same things that we believe in sort of thing and so to have this being 
talked about explicitly. I mean, they explicitly say many, many times that, like, there's only this one right way to be a Christian. And so, I mean, yes, I'm making an assumption, but I don't think it's a huge leap. But it's also saying that this is the one and only religion, like, um, and everything else is wrong, or you're not good enough, I am better, sort of thing. Yeah, and I mean, and in this big religion, our main focus is fixing that bell. Oh my god, yes, the bell, the bell. Um, and so I think that's why this really was kind of like our number one, um, just because it is sending a dangerous message. And this movie was out in 2014, so not that like long ago. No, it was only eight years ago. Exactly. So, so yeah, so I think that's... That's our number one. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the biggest thing, and it's dangerous message. It's a message of borderline intolerance of anyone who doesn't believe the same way, and I mean that even ties back into the racism, where the vast majority of the characters in this movie were white and any of the heroes or the people portrayed to be heroes are white except for the one african-american character who doles out life advice at the end to her high-ranking high-powered friend who is able to use it exactly all right babe so what would you say your favorite scene of this movie is so the opening sequence as it's just, you know, panning around, I think this movie takes place in Los Angeles or New York, some big city. It pans around and then, you know, it's in the sky and the camera's moving through clouds and you're listening to Gwyneth talk about her life. She's saying everybody has a story about how they came closer to God. Some of them saw Jesus in a piece of driftwood and that actually comes up later and then she says but mine was when i was looking for the perfect man and then i found him but that's him with a capital h so the movie just starts off with this terrible pun that about finding a perfect man but that perfect man is god and then does that mean that like Paul is the personification of her journey to God? And if so, why does God have a personification? Because that's a sin in Christianity. You can't have any false idols of God. And so, I mean, that, that just that pun in general. Oh, I was looking for the perfect man, and then I found him with a capital H. <laughs> oh my God. Like, oh, get over yourself. Like, whoever wrote that probably thought they were so effing clever. Like, oh yeah, did you see this? Guys, guys, did did you see this line I wrote? Oh, man, this is the most clever thing in the whole movie. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. That probably was the most clever thing in the whole movie, but the bar is set so effing low that you wouldn't be able to limbo underneath it if you were as flat as a fucking, I don't know, index card. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> George is getting upset. George is getting upset. But... I mean, it's just, it just epitomizes the style of writing and the 
quality of film writing that you're going to get into for the rest of this movie right off the bat. So you, I mean, in a way, it's like a public service announcement. So anybody who's in the middle of watching the movie, they can start it up, hear that line, maybe nod to themselves a little bit, and then shut the movie back off and go about their day doing something infinitely better than watching the rom-com Christian Mingle. Okay, I... I mean, there's better rom-coms out there. I mean, like, uh, Twilight. That's a better movie than this. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey. That's, that's at the other end of the spectrum, I think. That's that's a better movie. Um, I love how your first two rom-coms that you think of are those movies. Yes. You can tell that Mike has not watched many a rom-com. <laughs> Yes. No, I I have not. Not at all. So, I mean, and maybe the last rom-com is OJ Made in America. That's probably a better (laughs) rom-com than this one. Yeah, I yeah I would not categorize this as a rom com. Like I would categorize this as a faith based movie yeah, where Chris, a, where um Corbin Christian was trying to get away from Corbin Burnson. <laughs> Burnson, sorry, <laughs> I was just saying Christianity so of, much. Speaking of Seinfeld, Corbin Burnson was in an episode of Seinfeld. George talks to him on the set of NBC. I forgot about that. Yeah, and the when they were writing the pilot, Jerry and George about their show about nothing. I mean, this is a movie about nothing when they tried to make it actually be about something so hey look it merges it merges the worlds are colliding jerry (laughs) exactly uh my favorite scene in this movie so going back to the whole the client who has the pills to grow hair for men who are bald she basically goes in this this whole spiel to her boss this is before she picks up and moves to mexico um for good she basically talks about how her getting closer with God and believing more strongly in him, right. I guess, is the becoming way we a talk true about believer. It. Becoming a true believer, exactly. Um, she was d- discussing how she like has this truth now. She talks about truth a lot um and she's basically saying that she doesn't feel comfortable marketing this pill because she doesn't believe in it she doesn't believe that this pill can regrow hair and so she kind of has this moral conflict of marketing this product and so okay let's kind of take it (laughs) take it into a couple of pieces here um There is nothing wrong with being like, hey, I don't want to market something that I don't believe in. Totally get that. Um, But here's the issue. She doesn't do any research to see if it works or doesn't work at all. Um, So she's just assuming that it doesn't work. I mean, again, I don't blame her for assuming it doesn't work. There are a lot of products out there um that are saying like hey you know this will regrow your hair and you see these pictures on tv or online and you're just like i doubt that's the same person or whatever like so i don't blame her for thinking that it's a lie but it is your job to be a mark to market it so why wouldn't you try to do some testing like her boss is bald and you know during her little presentation to the client she 
even does the whole pour the pills over his head kind of being like, hey, let's fix his head, you know? Right. And it's just like you could have had, potentially, if it was okay with the boss, have him take it and see if there is any growth or not. Yeah, he repeatedly says that he wants it to work because he wants to regrow his hair. Exactly. So it's like, okay, so she didn't do anything didn't even do any research she didn't even like look into the product at all she just had this very short conversation with the client where the client is basically saying hey i was bald and now i'm not and he shows two pictures again i don't blame her for not believing in the pictures i mean photoshop was a thing then Mm -hmm. you know so it's like okay i don't blame her for not believing um in this product but again she didn't do any research at all um to see if it did or didn't work so she's basically saying that it 100 percent doesn't work um so that's one issue with it and then also making this comparison about like her finding the truth um you know her getting closer to god and then making that comparison to a product that's about balding like i just feel like it's just you it's one of those things that you shouldn't make comparisons between i feel like if i was a super religious person i might be a little offended by that being like okay we're making this comparison about truth believing in god and not believing in this bald you know no bald pill or whatever and then on the other side of it too it's like okay well even by your own logic it's like like you're not showing yourself in any way that god's real you know like there's not any physical thing that you can be like he's real so you're making a leap of faith Right. You know, so you believe that this is true by making this leap of faith. And it almost kind of goes back to the there's only one right way to be a Christian thing. Because mm. it's kind of saying, don't make this leap of faith, make this one. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, yeah, that was her whole thing basically being like, I'm not going to make a leap of faith with this product um because i don't think it works versus i've made this leap of faith like it just seemed like this comparison didn't work at any any level um and and the fact that that's supposed to be i would say maybe the climax of the movie because this is her being like i'm changing my life like i've had this kind of epiphany moment and i'm gonna completely leave this job and move to Mexico. You know, like, this is, a, I would say, a climactic part of the movie. I would and... agree, but I don't think anyone who's met on Christian Mingle has ever had a climax. <laughs> oh, my God. And so then, so just just to have this high point of the movie be based on this very poorly made argument. Yeah. I mean, the script was entirely poorly written, so why would the argument she makes to become a Christian and not trust these bald pills be uh, poorly written? Um, Exactly. Makes me wonder how Rust got good reviews. Well, maybe that was just a good one, and this one just wasn't... I don't know. It's not on our our worst movie list, so... No, because it has a high rating on IMDb. I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Maybe at some point we'll watch it for you guys. Right. And we'll let you know. Right, and we'll tell you. We'll make it a bonus episode. A bonus episode. Pay us enough money, we'll do it. Oh my god. 
So, babe, do you feel like it's so bad it's good or so bad it's just bad? Really bad. Yeah. Really, yeah. really, really bad. Really bad. And I think for me, I categorize it as really bad just because the whole dangerous part of it. Yeah. I think it's dangerous. It's a dangerous movie. Yeah. It's going to get people more entrenched in what they actually believe. It's going to make people feel bad about themselves it's telling you there's only one right way to believe one right color to be and it's you know your job as a white man to save the others and save the savages and all that other nonsense so Mm -hmm. that's basically what this movie is the message of this movie is and it's generic it's a movie that should have been left in 50s and i don't know the the overall plot is the same generic plot as every other rom-com but just with this dangerous spin to it yeah (laughs) right um and we discussed our ranking so catwoman is still worse (laughs) catwoman is worse than racism which is so bad it's just a really bad movie so at this moment our list is catwoman is the worst then Christian Mingle, then Morbius. Yeah, Morbius was actually a movie. That's oh, the that's what separates Morbius right now from the other two. Not that Morbius was good, but mm-hmm. Morbius was just boring. That was its the biggest complaint about Morbius is that it was boring and relatively generic. These other two had much worse issues than that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's so funny because after watching these movies, it like. Thinking t- back to Morbius, it was like, in comparison, it's like, oh, that's a good movie. Yeah. But in- it's not a good movie. <laughs> right. In- <laughs> but it just feels like it's leaps and bounds beyond these other two movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, Morbius actually tried to have a cohesive plot and everything else and didn't put out stupid messages. And the CGI in Morbius actually, you know, didn't look terrible, which was the biggest turn off of Catwoman and it wasn't racist so so there you go and hey we did get it's morbid time out of it, it which we is did. pretty funny that's better than anything we got out of Catwoman and Christian Mingle honestly so um this movie had a budget of 650,000 so it was a pretty cheap cheap movie to mm-hmm. make I mean you couldn't tell you couldn't tell I mean it was decent when it comes to what it looked like it was fine I mean Mexico was definitely a set yeah, it oh was not actual Mexico at all no um but I mean it it didn't didn't look like it was a cheap movie no um I mean the set in Mexico was literally just I don't know the schoolhouse was one building it's like one big rock and yeah. it almost made it look like just one big rock <laughs> with the word escuela written on it Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they saved a bunch of And none of the actual brands and offices in the movie were actual companies or actual name brands. It was just generic lettering that said coffee shop or book Oh, that's store. right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it looked fine when it comes to that, that comes to that piece of it. Um, the box office only brought in 25000 So even though it was a pretty cheap movie... It lost a good it, amount of money. It lost $625,000. I mean, maybe they could have put that money towards fixing a bell. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Maybe Corbin Burnson needs a bell fixed, and that's where he put all of his energy towards. Maybe this movie was money laundering to fix a bell. 
my god. Um, I brought up earlier that Lacey Chabert, I, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce her name, but... Chabert, Chabert. Chabert. I have no idea. Chabert. 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 Um, but she played Gretchen Wainers in Mean Girl. She was the one that's, that's so fetch. And, and Corbin Burnson needs to stop making faith happen. <laughs> oh my goodness. And she was great in it. I, she was my favorite in that movie. I thought she was so freaking cute. And she was very fetch. She was very fetch, in my opinion. Um, and I mean, uh, looking at what she's done, so she hasn't done anything that's as big or maybe mainstream as Mean Girls before Mean Girls and after. She does a ton of made for TV movies, like all she- on Hallmark. Were they all on her? Or uh, maybe mostly? like 90. I think she has a contract with Hallmark. Oh, in. that makes sense. Like, she's made a ton of movies recently. Like, looking at her IMD page, it is long. Uh, IMDB page. I don't yeah, know right. Um, so, she's definitely a busy, busy girl. But, yeah, you probably haven't seen her in much unless you're a super, like, Hallmark made-for-TV movie She was fan. in that one Hallmark movie where the white woman leaves the big city to go to the small town. And she learns she doesn't need a job. She just needs a man in Christmas. In Christmas. Do you remember that movie? Because which that, one are you talking that, about? That's the uh, that's the one she was in. Oh oh wait, am I describing all of them? <laughs> oh man. Um, and the other fun thing is John O'Hurley's in it. You might not know his name. He plays Jay Peterman in Seinfeld. He plays Elaine's boss. Uh, one of her bosses, uh, and he's freaking hilarious in he Seinfeld. Is. So he's the client. He's the one that has the bald pill. Um, so it was kind of fun seeing him. I like, uh, yeah, it's fine. He was a very minor role, but um, we were like, oh my god. <laughs> Maybe when um, she Gwyneth went to Mexico, she gave him the idea for the urban sombrero. Yes, the urban sombrero. All right, babe. So what are we watching next? So the next movie, the next holiday movie in part two of two of our holiday movie series is been randomly selected as a 1985 movie starring John Lithgow and Dudley Moore called Santa Claus. Please don't confuse this with the 1994 movie starring notorious drug lord Tim Allen, (laughs) The Santa Claus. But this is a 1985 film just called Santa Claus. So yeah, so you can watch Santa Claus, again, 1985, um, if you're trying to find it, um, on Hulu, Paramount Plus, or Showtime. You could also buy um, buy it on Apple TV or Vudu starting from $3.99. Yeah, please don't pay money to watch this movie. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Get someone's password. <laughs> All right, guys. So remember, next week, watch Santa Claus 1985 with us. Grab your popcorn and remember to write in your thoughts on our Tragedies On Screen Instagram page or on our Discord server. Or you can go old school and send your thoughts to tragediesonscreen at gmail.com. Feels weird saying that email is old school. If you really want to go old school, write us a letter. No. Um, Go to Facebook. (laughs) You can also go to Facebook. That's old school too. Um, but yes, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Tragedies on Screen. Now she's getting more interested in Christian Mingle website. 
Yeah, right after she said, God, if you're there, give me a sign, and Christian Mingle comes on her TV. Even though it's come on her TV before. Oh, God, it's... Christianity for dummies! Well, Christian rock... The Bible for dummies! ...plays in the background. That lady is more Botox than woman. <laughs> it's not nice. But it is true. <laughs> but I love how she, like, definitely shaded on whatever... The Marianne friend when she was like, I would definitely get married before her. <laughs> like, she's seen the Christian Mingle ad for the first time. Oh, Emery is engaged. You're not supposed to ride your bike on the sidewalk. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, that didn't even make any sense. She's making a dating profile on Christian mm -hmm. Mingle. On special occasions, several times a year, once a month. Wait, do what? I didn't read. Did you? Thing. How often do you attend church? Oh, what is the name of your church? Gods. God. She obviously does not attend church. <laughs> She clearly has never been inside a church. God's church! <laughs> it's like you could have easily Googled the name of your, your nearby church. Yeah, I mean, you're on the internet. You're already, exactly, you're already on the internet. <laughs> they don't even know each other. This is very awkward. Oh no. She has spunk. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who's wedding. She just wants to get married because, as we all know, that's what all girls want is to be married. Especially girls with high powered careers as a marketing executive. So, not only are we watching Christian Mingle, we're watching Christian Mingle. With ads. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what? That look she gave him. You just said no kiss. And he was like, okay, are you serious? Yes. But then he, they kiss. I don't get that whole part. Those other women are not great actors. No. What is she wearing? She looks like a Quaker. She literally put every single beige thing that she had, but they're all different color beiges. Yeah. She, <laughs> it looks horrible. She looks like a literal Quaker from the 1800s. Legible. Um... This is a restaurant we need to go to. <laughs> it's steak. the Christians know. <laughs> it's steak and cake. Willing. Just say amen, lady. A one sauce on the steak. Oh God. But who puts like a giant pile of steak on top of each other like that? 
Yo, I don't have issues with that. But that doesn't even look like good steak. I know, that looks like super well done steak. That guy, look at him cut it and the whole thing is moving. That is not tender steak. Nope. If you bleached him, put him in sour cream, and made him watch a Brady Bunch marathon, he'd be less white. Oh my. <laughs> what is this? This is some of the worst acting I... Agreed. <laughs> the dramatic music. Yeah, screw your job that you worked hard to get. Go to Mexico instead. Oh. <laughs> one, one little mishap at work and you're like, alright. Give up. Go to Mexico. And you can tell we're in Mexico because they put a yellow filter over everything. <laughs> yeah, so all the signs are in English. That's what Mexico is like. Oh, look! It's a donkey. What in the hell? <laughs> you knew you were volunteering, right? Like... <laughs> Obviously, you should bring pants and shorts and stuff. Like, you're going to be working. Packed like you're going on vacation. <laughs> so you didn't even tell your boss. Look, babe, she doesn't need a job. She just needs a man. Mm -hmm. That's what God wants. So they're going to put the church back together. Because that's what's most important. You see all the buildings run down in their homes, but the church. In particular, the church bell. Right, they're not going to leave until it dings. That's mm -hmm. literally what he says. And to reiterate, all of the signs are in English. And another Again donkey. With the goddamn donkey. <laughs> Oh no, her Christianity for Dummies book. Someone's gonna see it and know <laughs> she's not actually a What the fuck? It's just a brick that says Escuela on it. What the hell? He's judging her hardcore. Negative spin on religion. Spin on religion. Oh my god. So basically they're saying there's only one right way to be a Christian, which is, like, super fucked up, like... <laughs> yeah, but babe, what about all that negative spin on religion? More Christian rock. This one has a tambourine. She's throwing the Bible in the <laughs> trash! <laughs> Like, that's not an okay thing to do. That's uh, excessive. Well, she's taking it out of the truck. Why does she have, like, an outdoor metal trash can in her house? That's a good question. I'm Christian, but I've already found a meaningful relationship with Christ. What? 
She was Christian the whole time. Oh, this is mind blowing. You sure? You sure this wasn't written by M. Night Shyamalan? Oh my God, the guy in the hairpiece was Bruce Willis the whole time. Back to the you're not a real Christian nonsense. Yeah. Oh, he's with Kelly now. Mm-hmm. Because Kelly believes in the Lord. The way he wants her to believe in the Lord. And truly, you should know that you are your brother's keeper, and you will know that I am the Lord. <laughs> Bang! Exactly. Samuel L. Jackson. This is racist as fuck. Like... Oh, look, the bell's back. Mm-hmm. They said they weren't going to leave until the bell was long. What about, you know, everything else? You can't speak, speak Spanish. I know. It's like... Of Spanish. <laughs> it's like, have you really tried? Like... Good, they have Christmas piñatas. Get it? Because we're in Mexico! <laughs> we haven't beaten you over the head with that! <laughs> it's a goddamn donkey. It's a goddamn donkey. In la escuela. It just says escuela. On a piece of drift. Oh no. Her pillow has a donkey! <laughs> Do I think like that donkey is the national animal of Mexico? The eagle and the snake. It's on their goddamn flag. 